Today's show brought to you in part by our friends at Naira. We're going to be working with Naira through the rest of 2023. Saturday racing coverage, special bonus coverage like uh, the Pick 6 look. Nick Tamaro and I will be doing later in the show daily write-ups and analysis for free at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. And you can find our stuff on their site. If you go to Naira.com and look under the Picks, Plays, and Promotions tab. Also, if you're wondering where you can find Fox's America's Day at the Races coverage, we got that for you in TheMoneyPodcast.com slash TV. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our official early week show for Tuesday, August 8th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn bunker once again for folks looking for a recap of the weekend type material. Um, we already did a show with Jay Pridman about that. If you're looking for, for content about that stuff, uh, check that one out. This one, we are uh, looking forward more than we are looking backward. And one of the things we're looking forward to is a contest we're very excited about that our friends at Little Red Feather Cares are putting on with our friends at Del Mar. And to talk about that, we are bringing in from Little Red Feather, who are having a heck of a season out there at Del Mar, Gary Fenton. Gary, how are things? Oh, thanks for uh, having me on. It's another beautiful day here in Del Mar. It's 72 degrees. It's blue skies. And uh, we're entering week four of what has been an incredible, incredible first three weeks out there. The, the racing's just been terrific, and it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. You guys have been on a bit of a roll as well. I, I've seen a lot of happy pictures of you and your partners out there. Is it is it a better-than-average summer from a Little Red Feather perspective? Is that fair? Oh, it's been, an, it's been an incredible summer. We're so fortunate. Our horses are performing um, out of this world. We conclude, uh, won the Oceanside, uh, Gold Phoenix won the Eddie Reed and Elm Drive. At the, that was leading at the top of the stretch in the grade one Clement Hirsch on, on over the weekend and finished third. So she's got her grade one placing and it's just been an incredible, incredible start. Very fortunate. Um, <clears throat> partners are having a, a great time. And just to, to correct you on one thing on this show, it's gold flipping Phoenix. Billy and I. <laughs> that's, yes. I apologize for that. That's, that's everywhere, but the program gold flipping Phoenix. <laughs> That's very funny. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the contest coming up. It's this Sunday, the Charity Challenge. You can find all the information on the DMTC.com website. This is going to sell out, people. So this is sort of like your last call. $600 buy-in, $300 to live bank, $300 to prize pool. You can get up to two entries. And uh, we'll talk about the format and the prize structure in a minute. But I want you, Gary, to tell us about the charitable element and how this money is going to get allocated to LRF Cares. Many years ago, our partners uh, called us up and said aftercare was incredibly important to them as it is to us. And what can they do? Uh, and so we put together our own aftercare charity, LRF Cares, so that we could take care of all of the Little Red Feather horses in, in, in their secondary careers. Um, due to the generous donations from our partners and, and people around the country, including horse players from, from this contest, uh, we not only can take care of all the other horses, but we can make nice donations to other charitable aftercare uh, organizations and, and organizations like the PDJF and the jockeys 
um, and, and take care of our entire ecosystem. So it's an, a charity that's near and dear to our hearts. It's really, we're fortunate that's been supported so, so nicely by our partners and, and horse players really around the country. And that's where this came from. Horse players have, have always told me that they want to contribute outside of just, just, just betting at the windows and what can they do uh, for aftercare. And, and this is, this is that tournament. Uh, it sells out every year. So, so if you haven't done it yet, uh, buy your, buy your contest spot today. I think there's only 60 some spots left. Uh, and, and we're just grateful to the Del Mar Thoroughbred Club that puts us on their calendar. They only do a couple of contests each summer, and this is one of them. And our friends at the TVG FanDuel, who not only buy a, a bulk of tickets so their on-air personalities can play along with horse players, um, but they support us generously by allowing the online component. You can play on track at Del Mar or online at TVG FanDuel. And it's going to be all Del Mar races on Sunday. Win, place, show, exacta, trifecta, and daily double. We're going to do some special free content as well on these races. So you can look for that. We'll probably drop that on Saturday. So, you know, give you, give you a little bit of extra push. If you're not as familiar with the contest world, if you're wanting to get involved, no, we've got you covered um, in terms of our online content. Of course, we also have Dean Kepler writing uh, analysis of Del Mar for free every day in the moneypodcast.com, as well as some extra paywalled stuff from Frank Scatoni on our plus side. How about the prize pool, Gary? What can you tell us about that? Well, so $600, 300 live money. The other $300 goes to the quote unquote prize pool. Now a normal contest, it all goes to prizes. Um, but because we're a charity, we take a third of it out. Uh, that'll go to the aftercare uh, charity. And the other two thirds goes to our wonderful prizes. Uh, the, the winner gets a BCBC spot. Uh, second and third place get NHC so- spots in Vegas for next year. Um, uh, the f- I think it's fourth and fifth get spots in the Del Mar Pacific Classic Tournament. Uh, Labor Day weekend, and the sixth spot, I believe, is is money. It's fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars. Two dimes, two dimes. I'm just checking it here. And that Pegasus contest, that's a that's one of the big ones out there for sure. That's something uh, very very valuable, and it's great that you don't. You know, sometimes you get a seat to a contest that's far in the future. That's great. That's cool. But when you get the ability to have that, and you're you're able to to cash it in much sooner in the form of this uh, this. Uh, what is it? A $6,000? No, that's the early one is a $6,000 buy-in at Del Mar. The, the Pacific Classic Day is a $4,000 buy-in. So that's a very significant prize in terms of cash for folks to get involved in. And again, they are, uh, they, they are going fast. So I think that covers the contest. I will say for more info, go to dmtc.com. You can also, there's a note on the site to reach out directly to Chris Barr at Del Mar. If you have any questions about that, I'll volunteer my services too. If you're new to contests, if you're not super tech savvy, whatever, and you want info, go to inthemoneypodcast.com and go to the contact page there. As I've said elsewhere on the show, that goes straight to my email. If you drop something there, if you need any help getting signed up to play, please do that. This is a great cause and a great contest and a great prize point. And if it doesn't sell out, I will be personally very disappointed, but I don't, I think there's almost no chance that it won't. So really, like I said, last call, for this challenge. Now, while we have you, Gary, I've given some some time to, to ask you about this. But of course, in your other life, uh, you work with the horsemen in California. We had this major news, this shocking news to some, uh, to many, about the closing of Golden Gate Fields. I just wanted to check in with you about the latest news on the future of Northern California racing from the horsemen's perspective. Yeah, I mean, as, as all of your listeners know, we were rocked with the news at the beginning of the Del Mar meet that Golden Gate will be closing at the end of the year. 
Um, and we're still in the, in the preliminary stages of, of gathering information, seeing what economically uh, the North would look like in, in 2024. Uh, we're expecting proposals um, from CARF, uh, who has indicated that they would like to apply for the Golden Gate date. Uh, so we're waiting to see what that looks like. And uh, I, I mean, in my head, we're hoping to continue North Racing in the same manner that, that they're accustomed to. Uh, up there, they're, they're, our owners uh, <clears throat> have run for about $26 million each year. Uh, so if the car proposal comes in, in or near that, I see North, North Racing continuing. Um, if the proposal comes in and the model looks like it's a little bit less, well, then the horsemen and trainers and, and our ecosystem up there will have to decide whether um, they, they can run for a little bit less money. As you know, horse expenses aren't, aren't going down at all. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, with Larry Schwartzlander up there uh, running CARF and, and been up there for, for, for many, many years that uh, CARF can come together with a proposal that keeps North Racing going in the same manner that, that Golden Gate was. Tell, tell us, for those of us who aren't as familiar with the alphabet soup of horse racing, what exactly the CARF organization is. <laughs> CARF is the organization that runs the fairs up there. Um, so Golden Gate ran, I think, nine months of the year, and CARF would run the other three months, whether it be at Pleasanton or Sacramento or Ferndale or Fresno. Uh, it's the California Association of Fairs. Okay, gotcha. And yeah, it sounds like it's a work in progress. And as we get news, we'll bring you back to talk about it from a horseman perspective and, and just try to get uh, get some more information about this and, and when it comes to what the future of California is. And at some point, we'd love to have somebody from Stronicon too to talk about it from, from their point of view. But it, it, it sounds like it, you, there's no real way. It, it's, we're in a hurry up and wait mode waiting for those proposals to come in to see about. I was going to ask you specifically about that Sacramento solution that had been proposed. No official position from you until you can see the numbers. Sounds like the answer. Yeah, you know, it's, it's December is coming up pretty quickly. Um, and so uh, those at CARF and, and the TOC are working diligently to come up with a with a with a plan. Um, and yeah, the preliminary plan does does seem like they would run the dates of Sacramento, but we haven't seen anything officially yet. All right, let's go back to Del Mar before we get out of here. What are you looking forward to? Obviously, you got the contest this weekend. What else are you looking forward to over the course of the next few weeks? Well, I, I got to tell you, the first three weeks of racing at Del Mar has been nothing short of spectacular. I, I haven't seen anything like it in, in many, many years. The crowds are incredible. We saw 10,000 people uh, show up on, on a Thursday. So it, it's, been, it's been absolutely fantastic. And let's just keep our fingers crossed and for more of the same. It's safe racing. It's fantastic racing. Um, horsemen around, not just in California, but around the country have showed up. And it's been an incredible meet, and I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that it continues. To what do you attribute the the, the fantastic field sizes we've been seeing? Is is I mean, we talked a little bit last year about how the book had been written a little bit differently. Maybe giving some horsemen less choice actually has led to some some fuller fields and really focusing on the horses who were who were stabled sort of on the island that is Southern California racing. Is that what it's all about, or is there more to it? What's your, what are your I, thoughts? I'm going to give all the credit in the world to the Del Mar Thoroughbred Club. People think that they work 31 days of the year. They work <laughs> all year long. At the TOC, we get the preliminary proposal for the summer in January. Uh, uh, Tom Robbins, David Jerkins, they are hustling. They are out there working all year long to put on an incredible product. And in the last few years, I, I think that they've been 
in their heads a little disappointed that the hard work hadn't really paid off. And, and I said to them, you know, to create this new brand um, takes takes a little bit of time. And they're really seeing the fruits of all the hard work this year. Uh, and I know that they're, they're super, super proud of, of the effort that uh, the team is doing and, and that the horsemen have have showed up. Um, the ship and wind program, I think, is a big part of it. Uh, we, we they put up a little bit of money um, and to entice not just out of towners to come in for the summer. As you said, we're on an island out here, so sometimes it needs a little bit of incentive. Um, but most people don't know, 80% of the ship and wind money actually goes to California owners. It's just a different way for California owners to buy new horses instead of buying a yearling or a two-year-old. They're buying race-ready horses uh, that can run at Del Mar. And, and let's face it, Del Mar is the premier meet here in California and everybody wants to run here and everybody wants to win here. So they've, they've given owners just a little bit more of an incentive to buy that type of horse uh, that can run down here. Um, and it seems to be really paying off. You mentioned about the, you know, maybe not being fully thrilled with numbers based on some of the changes made the last couple of seasons. I feel like this year the numbers are, are significantly up if uh, the last time I looked anyway. I, I, they, they said to me, don't expect the same field size average. And they're just, they're knocking it out of the park. Every, every race, it seems like, is oversubscribed. It's full fields. It's great racing. And like I said, I, I can't remember the last first three weeks to a meet uh, that had this kind of energy and excitement and, and great racing. And the betters are, the betters are showing up. I, I you know, I, it's, it's always one of the fun things here at Saratoga at dinner time to be playing those, uh, playing those pick bets out at Del Mar to, uh, to keep things going along. All right, Gary, we've got a lot to get to on the show. So we'll leave it here for now. Look forward to hearing more from you in the future about a variety of topics. And, you know, also now that you're a, uh, you know, top uh, three finisher here in the National Horse Players uh, Championship. We're going to make you come on here and do some handicapping sooner rather than later. Well, I'd be happy to come on anytime. You, the, the show is, you know, I'm a big, big, big fan of it. And um, always a pleasure to, uh, to be on. Cheers, my friend. We'll see you soon. Next up on the show, we bring our man who talks to us about many things, but a lot of times, New York racing. He's been on a bit of a roll in his Nick's Notebook column, which you can get if you subscribe to In The Money Plus. You can also read his daily analysis free on InTheMoneyPodcast.com. He's Nick Tamara. Nick, how are things? Doing great, Pete. Glad to be with you to kick off another week. And best thing about last week is it's over and we can move on to this week and hope for a little bit better uh, better situations at Saratoga. Well said. Well said. I appreciate that. And uh, it sounds like we'll be seeing your face up here before the meet's over. You coming up Travers weekend? Yes, that's the plan right now. I'm going to be up uh, probably second half of the card Wednesday and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Excellent. I was just looking into my flights for Toronto for the Kings plate classic. You can't get there from here stuff, apparently uh, coming from the Albany airport. Anyway, I'm now going to get creative and see what happens if I, uh, if I can get myself down to the city. I think it's one of those, it's going to be easier to go from New York to Toronto than it is from, from Albany, unless I can hitch a ride on a private plane with one of JK's fancy friends. Hey, always a possibility. He's at least helping expand his portfolio in that regard. 
Yes, I, I missed the sales last night getting ready to, to head to that tonight. But we're here today to talk about Wednesday at Saratoga. I think you and I are both making the assumption with the rain that we've had, with the rain that's to come, that we're going to be off the turf for this sequence. It's funny, people have asked me, why have you been doing the Wednesday Saratoga shows? And the, the, the answer is, it will make me pay a lot more attention. I sometimes run the risk at Saratoga of going there not fully prepared and, and you know, action betting my way into a hole. But by talking it through with the likes of you, I feel much more prepared and typically do a whole lot better. So with that in mind, we'll talk about this pick six. I, I have a feeling uh, Perrin will want to do the half and half day, half at the pool and then half at the track. So uh, we'll start with the pick six going uh, with race number five and an interesting group of two-year-old maiden fillies making their uh, way around six furlongs at Saratoga for this one. Where was your eye drawn? Yeah, maiden auction type, so obviously they're on the lower end in terms of purchase price, um, which you see kind of throughout the field. Everybody obviously went for 50000 or less. You know, I kind of felt like to sum it up, I wanted the three experienced horses plus extra dirty. So three, five, nine, and 10 were my numbers. I picked the 10 on top. Uh, two workouts back, this filly worked with a runner from Chad Brown's barn that was actually, the clocker called, it, called this horse second best, but still worked well according to what the clocker said and i don't know i don't that runner has not debuted so this could be one of those situations where we're looking forward to seeing that horse pop up in the very near future um being a fan of horse dirty martinis i had no problem with extra dirty and uh, often how i've ordered it but uh, good favorable outside post progeny of golden sense hit it a 12 percent clip couple of nondescript winners on the damn side the best experience source feels like zadorsky for Wayne Catalano, who's had plenty of success with two-year-olds at Saratoga over the years. And uh, actually, interestingly, I, I, I completely whiffed on this. So the horse that this horse is working with is running on Thursday. Uh, Recency, who's in the fifth race, who is a nicely bred uh, New York bred out of, by Tap It Out of Flip Cup. So worth noting, if you're listening, make a note on Extra Dirty, that if Extra Dirty runs well, you want to give Recency on uh on Thursday, a long look. So we're handicapping two cards. This is like when Kevin Harlan was calling two games at the same time. And he said, which game are you calling? He said, I'm calling two games. <laughs> Any reference to Kevin Harlan is appreciated. That makes me very tempted to go down and announcer a uh, rabbit hole about this Orioles situation. But we don't, we don't quite have the time for the tangent today. But let me just say, shaking my head, let's hope cooler heads prevail there from uh, John Angelos, who you used to see around Saratoga all the time, who's apparently lost his mind. Anyway, I'll add to your group. I was certainly, I was with you on the nine and the 10. I was with you on spreading, but I had two others I wanted to mention in here that I, I was, I think might be prices and I have uh, some maybe decent ideas on. The four elusive fashion I thought was just a little bit interesting. Three of the six siblings uh, that made it to the races were winners. Two of those won on debut. The connect numbers, or the sire, just okay. But then the other, uh, noting that the other Breon Furster ran well up here at 20 to 1. I, I had some interest in putting elusive fashion in the mix. Further clues to come from the totem paddock on that one. And then I also thought that the 8 Echo Lake might be worth using. Catalina Cruiser off to a decent start with Firsters. Two of the three siblings ran okay on debut. 1-1, but with a 28 buyer. Not sure what to do with that. The other, we don't have a figure for because it was in uh, Puerto Rico. But I thought that that was an interesting little hint about precocity. So I might put the 4 and the 8 in the mix. Um, you feel like uh, you can see either of those if you squint? Yeah, I don't have a big issue with that. I think Carrie Brion is very underrated, and it looks like this horse is training well. I mean, obviously, if we get a little bit more info 
on the workout report from some of the other horses, elusive fashion has not worked at a place where uh, she's been observed. But uh, yeah, no issue with me for me there. Let's talk about the sixth race, five and a half on the turf. It's scheduled for these two-year-old fillies, uh, maidens, but we, we are guessing again, it's going to come off. I don't know if you, I didn't even, to be honest with you, I didn't even really look at it for turf. Um, so my eyes went to the to the outside runners, these main track onlys. And of those, it looked to me like uh, the 16 solved the puzzle, had the most interesting uh pedigree for first time on the dirt i did think it was worth including bobby jean just for turning up in this spot and then of the ones in the body of the field i was a little bit interested in uh, in the forerunner uh mia marcella just on pedigree just looking you know twirling candy and unbridled song i didn't have like any real info it just looked like a pedigree that might be able to uh be be good on on either surface that's where my eye was drawn very open-minded to stuff in here what did you come up with for either surface yeah, worth noting that the 11 through 14 have to come out of here because they're re-entered on Thursday um, in, in the body of a race. So you'd be dealing with uh, with basically the main 10 in here plus the two MTOs. Yeah, I mean, kind of an obvious situation. You see Chad Brown with an MTO. This is a horse that he probably wanted to kind of try and sneak in the back door with. And uh, this horse is trained well, according to, uh, to what I've seen and uh, draws favorably on the outside. This is a daughter of Boldoro, whose progeny hit at an 18% clip on debut. This one was purchased all the way back in July of 2022. I don't think, and I should have looked before, I don't think this one was RNA'd at any point. It's not altogether common for Klarovich to buy a horse for 240 That's the kind of price that you generally see them uh, at. But uh, this horse was, yeah, was not re-entered in an auction after that. So uh, obviously they liked what they had. And, um, and so she shows up here, obviously draws favorably on the outside. I thought the seven Jody's pride, I, I went 16, seven, four, three on the dirt. Um, the seven Jody's pride has a, a versatile pedigree by American Pharaoh. The uh, two back work apparently was very strong. Jody's song was a turf winner, but also performed well on dirt. So, um, I think you could have a, a little bit to work with there. And I've always liked Jorge Abreu first time out. So yeah, I'll probably use every bit of the four, seven and 16 in any multi-race play. I get that. If if it is turf, did did you have did you do it properly for turf? I didn't bother to give turf picks because I didn't even do the race properly for it. But if you did, share what you got. I did. I, I picked uh, so on turf. I'm seven two five four. So I'll I'll have Jody's pride um, tap the keg is kin to three turf winners. The dam was unraced, but this one might actually be a horse that moves up on turf. And Ray Handel is a guy who's uh, recently actually done a lot better with uh, with first time starters but historically has been a guy that that whose horses needed some time and then you know Mia Marcella is one that I'm going to be intrigued to see exactly what we get out of her she worked 9 and 4 at Ocala in April so in all likelihood she's fast it's just a little surprising to see Steve not only train her early on at Keeneland but then enter her on the turf yes. so that was kind of the the thing that I couldn't quite figure out but uh, but I, I would think I would imagine using her on the turf would seem pretty obvious in my like being too much of a wise guy uh, rabbit hole of a brain, I was thinking maybe that was like a 
an MT, almost like an MTO, maybe like not that like they don't really know what to do and they figure either way, this is a chance to, to kind of figure out a little bit what they have. I have no inside info on that whatsoever, but I was thinking maybe this, and and we'll know, I mean, obviously if she scratches, it was, it was just a turf play. So, but we'll, we'll see. That was my, that was my thought on that one. Anyway, let's proceed to race number seven, where we've got $25,000 claimers going six and a half on the dirt. Who did you have in here, Nick? So, you know, it it boils down to a pretty small group of horses that really can win. I think at stretched at absolute most, the winner comes from the four, eight, nine, ten. Um, I could see maybe a little bit of support for Hatch, but he's not really much of a winning type. I know this is a two life. None of them are winning types, but I picked Morning Cup. Uh, Linda Rice, if you pick through the stats, turf to dirt in situations where she's she's doing that by design. So taking out the off the turfs where she's two for six, she's 10 for 30 doing that in claiming races over the last five years for a very unlinda like 272 ROI. And, uh, and Morning Cup is a horse that she claimed for 32 back from Al Stahl, immediately moved into a starter allowance event on the turf. And you can get a sense of whether she fit in, he fit in that race. He went off 42 to one. So, I mean, he really, it was an odd placement off the claim. And you almost wonder if she planned by design to do this, where he now lands in a race where he's probably better than 30 to 40% to get claimed. And the purse is going to be big enough to, you know, to get them close to being out for the claim itself. So I, you know, I thought that, that he was obvious Uh, asymmetric is first time for a tag. Chad Brown has perfectly fine numbers, very Chad, like 25% with just a buck 60 ROI first time for a tag and dirt sprints. The problem I had with asymmetric was he was, he was entered into one other than on Saturday uh, that was ultimately won by the, the Mike Dini horse on the outside where he was probably going to be the favorite. And, you know, after getting, so they entered him for that race on Wednesday and then they re-entered him for this race on Friday. And, you know, that's just a huge vote of no confidence. Yep. And, and so I, I don't love taking a horse that might drift below, you know, two to one or five to two in that kind of scenario. It's also, I understand he's an upstart, but, I would have thought Chad would have given this horse a try on turf because he's really turf bred on the damn side. So it, it, it just, I don't love the look with asymmetric. Now I'm not going to go on some big rant against him. It's not going to surprise me if he wins, but it, it just, the optics did not look great to me. We saw this exactly the same way um, though. I did uh, no exactly the same way. Cause you mentioned Tommy gun too in, when you, in your number recap, I thought that Tommy Gunn and Morning Cup were the places you really wanted to focus. Tommy Gunn off the meaningful drop and the potential pace edge. Morning Cup has the the good dirt form. I think there's going to be a good trip. You mentioned that great Linda stat. Did you have to go through and manually pull out the off the turf races when you did that stat, or did you do you have some way of doing that? No, I did. I manually pulled them out. Luckily, there were only six. So okay. yeah, and You're I'm pretty sick though. to begin with. So yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm uh, that's that's my type of situation. You did your whole um, also. Shows yeah, what you do. <laughs> exactly right. I'm going to show you how the sausage is made, but um, yeah, that's, that's me. What about, what about clubhouse? So this was a horse that is three to one on the morning line who, you know, Todd is, is another guy that when he puts him in for a tag for the first time, his numbers are actually very similar to Chad's. He's 25% with a buck 57 ROI, which just goes to show you that when he wins with these horses, they're usually short prices, generally shorter than he's, this horse is going to be. I didn't. I didn't really love this horse, and I actually thought his lone win was was kind of a kind of a doggy of a race. 
Yeah, it feels like this one felt like too just too much of a give up to me. Um, could be completely wrong. You can certainly see the case. It's a, it's a good example of a uh, of a new low level type of situation. But I I was opposed and asymmetric. I was I was going to use because I'm too much of a figure monkey to leave out a horse with the best figures. But yeah, I mean this horse has two allowance conditions left, so. It, and you mentioned about the cross-centered thing. It just something doesn't feel right with that one. I will use asymmetric more as a backup, and let's see if we can get the nine and the eight uh, on the A line for me. Nick mentioned eight, four, nine, and ten there, um, but I think you share. Uh, if you were to rank yours, it sounds like it would be similar to me: eight, nine, four, ten, like that. I picked it eight, four, ten, nines, eight, four, nine, ten. So yeah, so roughly like that. Gotcha. Well, that's how I'll leave it then. All right, let's move to race number eight. Uh, we've got an allowance race for fillies and mares going a mile on the dirt out of the chute and uh, field of nine signed on. I ended up with uh, with number five, Pharaoh's heart in here on top, back on the best surface, um, been facing, is facing weaker uh, and, and I thought would get a good progressive trip. The six, she's cold as ice. I just didn't think was that far behind on figures for a horse that was going to be a double digit long shot. I wanted to go deeper than that and include the seven Copa girl who I thought looked a little bit slow, but might get the right kind of trip. And then there's one. And I, and I saw another great stat you pulled on this one, uh, the three raging seat, super logical, but just not one. I'm sure I want to trust at a short price. And I'll let you tell people why. Yeah. I tweeted this yesterday and I, you know, I, I was, I was looking at the form and I was messing around in formulator and I thought to myself, has anybody won back from the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies? And I went and looked and of course the answer is no. Um, the field is a combined 0 for 31. And, you know, I, I tried to even highlight how that 0 for 31 is bad, no matter how you slice it. There have only been two buyer speed figures in those 31 starts over 80. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a race with a buyer par of 84. And Raging Sea is a filly who, yeah, I mean, she hinted at having some pretty serious ability last year, but you know, it's the it's the old my how they've grown angle, so to speak, where you would you would assume that a filly that was fast enough at two is just gonna, you know, this is a fate complete that she'll win this race at three. But, you know, this is a, and I understand the conservative placement. You might as well take advantage of the conditions that exist, but uh, this is a this is a horse that I think you're supposed to try and beat in the multi-race bets and and i'm gonna have no problem tossing her out i'm gonna use the, the four five and seven and um and I, I would even maybe put the six on a backup line as you indicated the dangerous horses in here to me are pharaoh's heart and fancy azteca and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna indicate to everybody that you should be betting every rick dutro horse but you should be considering every one of them because this guy was for everybody that that started following the game in the last 10 years, this guy was one of the most brilliant claiming trainers we've ever seen. And one of the things he would we, he would do with incredible success is claim horses and move them up in class. And the fact that he claimed Fancy Azteca, who was incredibly sharp last time out, who ran the best race of her career by nine points and immediately put her in a spot where she's protected, I think is a great sign. So I'm, I, I consider her to be very, very dangerous. If she is not sent to the lead, she's probably going to get that ideal stalking trip right uh, outside of Pharaoh's heart. So she's one that I would handle very carefully as well. I think that's a great, a great point and one that I will be including based on that. We saw Dutro with a horse in the Whitney that you picked right on top in the form of uh, White Abario making his way back onto center stage at Saratoga. 
and this is yeah. I think looking for him now before everybody starts betting him automatically is uh, if he's going to go on one of his hot streaks is something to to consider for sure. Race number nine, we head to New York bred stakes action in the Johnstone Mile. Um, Phillies and mares here going a mile. Who is going to take out the feature? Yeah, so Linda re-entered the five Betsy Blue in the Union Avenue on Friday, so she'll come out uh, presumably. She doesn't have to scratch because they're they're both stakes entries, but I don't know why you'd enter here and then enter in a race that's really more at her preferred distance and and opt for this. Um, I don't really think she had much of a chance at a mile here anyway. I, I'll tell you, Pete. I don't. I, I wish I had a better opinion here. I picked Venti Valentine, but you know I've not been right about Venti Valentine now for the majority of her career, and I say that because I really thought coming out of that busher last year she was going to be a marquee three-year-old filly, and and things really went sort of disastrously awry. We've seen Jorge Abreu have this happen. He's had horses lose their form, get it back. Uh, runaway rumor is one that comes to mind. She's now in a different barn, but she kind of went through that in 2022. And and I do think Vendy Valentine's last race is better than it looks on paper, uh, mainly because Movie Moxie is razor sharp at the moment. And Gerrymander, obviously, you know, she's not the gerrymander that we saw in the Mother Goose last year at, at Belmont, but she's still a great at state caliber filly. So I, I you know, I went there. Um, I, I don't have a big argument against Sunset Louise. I don't know if Sunset Louise is going to get that that easy front-running trip that she's had of late. Know-it-all Audrey is supposed to make her job a little bit more difficult, um, but obviously Sunset Louise has been very good at Saratoga and is capable of sitting just off the pace if the situation presents itself. So she's a deserving favorite. And, you know, the other horse that I thought you had to at least consider was Timeless Journey, who did spend the majority of the critical eye on the rail. And I don't know if the rail was really the best place to be that day. It was a tricky day because there was a bunch of turf races later in the card. And then they ran the commentator as race nine and it was kind of dominated on the rail. So I don't know if Timeless Journey got the most ideal trip that day. Um, but she's a horse who I do think can improve now being outside with Joel. She's just going to take back and make one run. So presuming that uh, Betsy Blue is taken out, and I'll mainly use the one, two, and six, and I'll be relatively chalky. I went Sunset Louise in here with the thought that it feels like, um, I don't know, is it me or is Castellano maybe not riding quite as aggressively lately, and maybe Sunset Louise can just get uh, loose in this spot. That's how I was going to attempt to mainly play it. If he's aggressive, I think that brings the six timeless journey very much into the mix as one to come running from off the pace. So I like the I like the two six and Betsy Blue. If she does show up here, I will use you know has worked forwardly since running like she needs the last and just the form of her recent races are working out so well. I agree, it probably makes sense to go in the other spot, but at least to record uh, in our official picks, if she does turn up here i'm gonna call it two five and six for me here and to recap you you were uh mainly one and two and a little bit a little bit six did you say that's uh that's my plan yep all right good stuff let's get to the nightcap as we are running out of time new york bread maiden special weights carded for a mile on the inner turf probably going to the dirt how are we going to get paid yeah i think one of the most interesting off the turf horses on this whole card is squid gamer um, who's the 15 in this race, who has had legitimate excuses in both of his fast track dirt races, one of which came against Olympic Dreams. 
and um, and re- when Rafua was more in form. And then last time out, I don't think he had the most ideal trip, being a little stuck inside early before angling out. And Ormstown really freaked that day. Bourbon Chase, of course, came out of it to break his maiden in his next start. So this is a horse who is uh, is going to end up facing a pretty ragtag group, quite honestly, after the uh, the, the presumptive surface switch. So I wanted to use him in Union Trail. I think Union Trail gets another opportunity. I fear that Barkley Tag will scratch Union Trail if it's off the turf and that he probably only wants to run this one on the dirt. But I do think that he needs another fast track dirt start. And and, and I hope that he doesn't. I'm assuming the track's going to be fast or somewhat like that. It's not yes. as if a ton of rain is expected. So, yeah, I was mainly on those two on the turf. Um, so, yeah, my numbers exactly were 15, 11, 14, 1 on dirt. On turf, I actually picked Union Trail, and I like Union Trail a lot on turf. If if somehow this race does stay on the lawn, he's got uh, he's got actually a Phipps family pedigree on the dam side, which is it's Stuart Janney Phipps uh, pedigree loaded with turf horses, and uh, and this colt set a really fast pace last time out before tiring. So I, I think he's a he's a serious candidate to improve, and um, and it's going to be a decent enough price if they're on the turf. I had 15 Squid Gamer as a real standout if this one was off. And one I did want to mention that I thought would be interesting if they left in was the sick slap in the face. Because even though by all rights, you would have thought that Oscar performance would potentially be, you know, turf only, he's actually done quite well on the dirt to this point. I think eventually these numbers are going to um, go where we guess they would be. And there's going to be a lot more turf route success than anything else. But between the looking at Lucky on the bottom and the Oscar performance, that was just one I was going to leave in if we were on the dirt. Again, I didn't really look at it properly for turf. I like your case a lot for the 11 if we go that way. But yeah, 15 and 6 for me on dirt. 15, 11, 14, 1 for Nick. Nick, I know you got to get places. We got to get places. So we'll leave it here for now and hope to catch up with you soon. Sounds great, my friend. Good luck, everybody. We're thrilled to continue our partnership with Woodbine for the 2023 season, and things are really heating up north of the border. Graded stakes all summer, highlighted by the King's Plate in August and the Grade 1 Woodbine Mile in September. Just making my travel plans this morning to get up for King's Plate. This weekend, be sure to watch the Bison City Stakes for three-year-olds going a mile and a 16th on the synth. Don't miss out on the action and all the extra King's Plate coverage coming up. For much more information, go to woodbine.com. Next up, Familiar Voice had a chance to hang out with him at Del Mar as part of this new sort of horse racing travel series, I guess you could call it. We've got a new name. I'll let you I'll let him tell you about it. He's Josh Wynn. Hey, Big Pete. How are you, man? I, I, I feel like I'm still in California. Like uh, I look out on my office here and I wish I was looking out onto the beach because that place is magical, man. I, I just I, I keep dreaming about it. You guys did such a good job capturing it. I was happy to be a part of it. And I'm just hoping that we can continue to do these type of these type of things. But but you know, we we start these things sometimes. It's it's not the old days where everything gets polished and tested before it drops. It works in progress, but I, I think this this new formula might be the one. You know what I think so. So uh, a little bit of background. So originally we called it the pick three. We were going to give you kind of uh, picks for each leg of a trip, like uh, a dish, uh, a destination, and a drink on what you should do there. And so we we liked the name. Uh, it was fine, but we came up with a better name. Uh, and I say we, I mean Pete. <laughs> 
And so a little bit of background. Credit, but, that, but I appreciate that. No, no, no. You, you are, I mean, this is why you're a New York Times bestseller. You're a man with words. And so we should have come up with this name before, but you did a great job. And I think one of the best parts is the story of how we got to the name The Perfect Trip, which is the show is going to be almost the same as The Pick Three. It's just we came up with a better name. And so yeah, I was staring out. I'll give I'll, I'll tell my version and you can tell your version. I was staring out at the Pacific Ocean with a racing form in front of me after one too many uh, margaritas and uh, and and maybe uh, some additional beers and, and shots of uh, a tequila. And the, the mind was just wandering. I was looking down. I was looking down and, and saw the words right in print there. And it just said perfect trip. And I was like, that's what the series is. It's all about the perfect trip. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy you had one too many margaritas to kind of see those letters floating off the page. So thank you uh, for those margaritas <laughs> Pacific Coast Grill, because we probably wouldn't be here without it. <laughs> but so tell folks where they can find that there, t- there's two different legs to this. So tell them about that and also let them know where where they can find it. All right. So we've uh, we've got a video portion of it. Uh, you can see, you can smell, you can hear everything. You can't really smell it, but you can hopefully put it together with some association. Uh, YouTube, uh, In The Money uh, Media YouTube page, uh, you can find it there. We go for about eight minutes in San Diego. And then we have a podcast portion of it where we go a little longer, uh, where we kind of deep dive with Michelle Yu. We talk about kind of cheap beats and free things you can do in Del Mar because Del Mar is pretty spendy. Uh, we uh, chat with Frank Scatoni uh, when he's at the um, Pacific Coast Grill about some of his favorite foods, and he shares some stories about how he got there and, and, and stayed there. And then we also uh, we, we bugged you a bunch of the trip about beers, and so uh, you, uh, you, you took us to some of your favorite breweries, and so we talk about some beer there. But before we go, I know we're, we, we're limited on time here, but I just want to set the scene when Pete changed the name for us. So he calls me and he's like, Hey Josh, I want you to meet me at Pacific Coast Grill. I'm like, Oh man, we got to fly out tomorrow. I wonder if Pete's going to cancel this. I wonder if this is done. I wonder if he's like, Hey, we hung out with these guys for a few days. It's over. And so I go to meet Pete quick. And like Pete said, Pete is sitting on the patio on the ocean. And to describe West Coast Pete is it's kind of challenging because West Coast Pete is a whole different vibe. He's still got the fedora, but he's he's rocking it. He's he's living that West Coast lifestyle. And so I walk up and Pete kind of looks like, stick with me here. Pete looks like when in The Godfather, when Michael goes to meet Hyman Roth and they're on that patio in Cuba. Pete looks like one of the background guys there. He's got the fedora. He's got the shades. Pete's a big built guy, too. He's got the Bermuda shorts on. And if you know Pete, Pete's kind of a guy who knows a guy. And so I'm like, man, this is going to be, this is over. It it was a good run. We did one episode, but hey, sometimes it gets uh, canceled after one. And he sits me down and like he explained, he's, he's had a few margaritas and he, he looks out to the sun, looks back at me and he goes, I think we should change the name to the perfect trip. (laughs) My mind is blown. I mean, I'm just like, oh my God, holy cow. And then he just goes back to looking at the sun as if it had been decided and uh, it's off. And so like, that's how we got the name. It was, uh, I think that story is like my favorite story from the trip, Pete. That's awesome. That's I, I hope I was a little more collaborative than that in my approach to this, but it does sound like, I'll tell you who it sounds like I was channeling my great friend and mentor, Steve Goldberg. 
um, you know, who's been known for giving some sage advice in beautiful locations before. So, you know, um, I think it pulls it all together. I think it makes sense. So uh, real quick, a backstory. So Steve Goldberg, uh, he played for the uh, Golden Gophers. Uh, I live in Minneapolis. My wife works at the University of Minnesota. And then our partner who does this with us, Mike Ricci, he went to the U. He, he worked for the Gophers for like a decade. And so I think it's fitting that we met a gopher in Southern California. We, we shared tequila shots. We created a bond. We changed the name. And whenever we think of the perfect trip, we'll always think about Steve Goldberg and the Pacific Coast Girl. So I think, it, I think it, was, it, was, it was meant to be. And I feel like California, when you make decisions like that on the beach, uh, it feels like it happens pretty often because that place is so uh, magical. Is it? Am I right that Mike even remembered like Steve's signature kick? I forget if it got them into the Rose Bowl one year or something. But he there was some famous Gopher story about a fifty-yard field goal, and I feel like Mike was familiar with that. Even you know they were chatting the whole time off to the side. They they connected on so many things. Um, I think uh, that was part of it. They talked uh, about Gophers, and I'm sure it's probably hard to talk about Gophers in Southern California because we're not out there very often. Uh, <laughs> but the thing that stuck with me is that I Mike. Uh, got engaged uh, to his wife at one of the restaurants that Steve started. So it just like it just it, it makes perfect sense that that we were it. able to connect with Steve and and uh, and make create such a bond. They call that kismet. I did want to give Mike a shout out because I thought he did a fantastic job setting up some of these shots. They're gorgeous. You're going to love it when you go over to the In the Money Media YouTube channel and check that out. You can get the podcast, of course, wherever you get your podcast. It's just going to be in our uh, in our black feed. To, to grab make sure you check it out there but yeah tell us a little bit more about you know what he brings to the project then i'll ask you a quick question about the future and we'll uh, we'll let you get out of here you know mike really is the visual eye of of what we see on the trip and so most of the shots that you'll see when you watch the video that's mike and you're you're really living through mike with what he eats what he drinks and he does a great job of of giving you kind of his perspective with his camera uh about what it is actually like to be there and so mike couldn't i mean i, I can't imagine what it what any of this would be like if it wasn't for mike I particularly appreciated his recreation of half of the In The Money Media logo in, yes. in one of the shots. So obviously we've done two of these, or you've done two of these now, the one for Oaklawn, the pilot program, and then the uh, this, this Del Mar episode, where it, obviously, you know, circumstances will dictate, but is, is your creative uh, soul, where are you most excited to feature next? You know what, maybe I am... I left so much of myself in Southern California. I'm thinking about maybe, uh, maybe Santa Anita would be a good trip, but man, I, I think the, the fun part about doing these videos, uh, in highlighting these tracks and the stuff around it is like every community that has a thriving horse track, they're proud of it. And so Pete literally send us anywhere. We're going to find uh, cool things to eat. We're going to find fun things to drink and we're going to meet the coolest characters. And so whether it's Santa Anita or even send us to a harness track or somewhere small, we're going to make it happen and it's going to be fun. But I would love to go to Santa Anita. I think Keeneland would be fun. Uh, Saratoga. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I would be able to handle a, a full meet in Saratoga, but send me up there uh, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find some fun stuff. But any track, anytime, anywhere, we'll be there. We'll find something fun. And uh, we'll we'll share with you. So next time you go to the track, uh, you kind of you kind of have that insider feel of, of of what you should be doing when you're there. 
terrific answer, and it just so happens there's a pretty important uh, horse race meet happening at Santa Anita this November. Maybe we could tie it in to some of the stuff we're doing with the Breeders' Cup and our friends at Santa Anita, two of our favorite partners here at In The Money Media. Josh, I will let you go as promised, but really appreciate your time today and can't wait to hang out and uh, eat a taco together soon. All right, Pete, real quick before we go, I just want to thank Michelle, you for showing us himself when we were out there, Frank Scatoni, who was absolutely awesome. Everyone, Andrew Brown, Christina Blackert, all the people at all the restaurants, Peer Project that helped us out. And if you're listening to this, you're getting ready to go to Del Mar. Two things to do because Del Mar can be very, very expensive. You got to find things that are going to save you some money because it's easy to spend a lot of money uh, there. Connect with Michelle Yu. We have a thing in the podcast that we call the Michelle Yu Double. She shows you something very unique and cool in the morning that she does called Daybreak at Del Mar, where she shows you how to kind of watch workouts, learn, do that stuff. And then also we go to a place, we get you the craziest burrito for less than $15. So if you're going there, connect with Michelle Yu. Do the Michelle Yu Double. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. You'll be entertained and your belly will be full. It's a fun time, and if you go to Del Mar, have a margarita for me uh, and enjoy your trip out there. Live racing continues this summer at Monmouth Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. In addition to the great racing, be sure to get involved in the new Travers Day Monmouth Saratoga Contest. The contest takes place on Saturday, August 26th, with an $800 buy-in, on-site or online play permitted, with a 25% bonus awarded to on-site players if you can make it down to the Jersey Shore. You know I love to take the boat. For more information, be sure to check out monmouthpark.com. Contact Brian Skirka for any questions. And if you need any help from me, holler at me through the contact tab on inthemoneypodcast.com. Those notes go straight to my email. Next up, we check in with one of my favorite people in Saratoga, who I've had the pleasure of seeing this summer, but not as often as I would have liked due to various circumstances. But she's here now. I'm here now. She is the first lady of the In The Money Players podcast. She's Kim Weir. What's up, Kim? Good morning, Pete. It is August in Saratoga, and things are hopping. It is great, and I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Let's chat first and foremost about some of the cool stuff that's been happening up around here. I know the past couple of years you've been an usher at the sales. Um, Sounds like you you gave up that responsibility, but you were there last night. What were the vibes like? Oh my gosh. Yeah, there was a, the vibe was, was strong. It was vibrant. It was energetic. It was, it was, uh, I would dare say it was almost manically joyful because we're looking to hang on to some positives and to be together at a time that is trying, but it felt good. And I have to say sort of in the Tom Sawyer um, analogy, I have always been painting that fence. And this year I passed off the paintbrush to some other cool volunteers who are big racing fans. And they took on the usher role that I've played and they were having fun. And I feel like some good things happened here, but I have heard from the coffee bar this morning that um, they are expecting fireworks tonight. So I will be here for the whole night tonight. Me too. Me too. I decided parent and I were on the fence last night to go over. We ended up just having a daddy daughter night on the couch, but uh, tonight we'll do, we'll do the rounds and then I'll stick around beyond that. I hope for, uh, to, to catch some of those fireworks of, to which you alluded. How about in terms of this TRF 40th anniversary? You know, I was obviously out at Del Mar for opening weekend and that great event that's been captured nicely online, but uh, you've had a ton of stuff cooking around here. We have. I mean, we are really leaning into this. Cheers to 40 years with gratitude to all who have brought us this far. My friend, you are 
key in that herd. But as a result, we have really said yes to everyone who said, can I do something to support the herd? Can I do something to raise awareness? Can I do something to share the story and the joy that are these horses? So we've said yes. And it has been an awesome summer already. I mean, we, we just as a quick lineup of people who've done amazing things before the meet even began, we had our new friend, Chris Carpenter, who's written this cool children's book called The Long Shot. He kicked us off the day before opening day with a beautiful porch party. Uh, Richie Migliori is just punching way above his weight. We all know his weight is not much, but his 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 impact is tremendous. So these these tours that he's been doing every Friday morning in exchange for generous donations to the TRF, they've been incredible. He's also already done his first of two uh, special private dinners that he has been the chef Migliori out at our friend's 18 Carat Farm. We did that first one in, in mid-July, and we're doing our second one on Tuesday. And I mean, he just throws his whole heart into these things, and we are so so grateful to him. Um, how does that and then, so how yeah. do people, I'm, I guarantee you people are already saying to themselves that they want to do one or the other of those things. How does one, uh, how does one book a situation like that? And is it every Friday or every Thursday that Richie's doing the tour? We have booked him every Thursday. I always like to say among my weird side hustles, one is golf cart <laughs> wrangler. That is something that I think will go in my gravestone at some point. Uh, and the other is retired jockey's agent because I am his booking, I'm his booking agent for tours. And we do them, we've done them every Thursday this summer with, with one or two notable exceptions those in addition to every Thursday and people come to our website. He basically has a page similar to our, our ITM page, a Pete, he okay. has one and it's trfinc.org slash MIG and people can donate there. And it, we, we sort of set a minimum per person to donate. And then we figure out what weekend it works and I do all the booking stuff. So we are full for this summer, but I will say we will absolutely put one of these tours in the silent auction at the barbecue, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, The dinner is going to be, you know, I would argue is is in the running as a sale topper for this year's barbecue. Cause now that we've done two, they've been awesome. But now Richie also understands how much work is involved in doing them. And he has also said quite candidly with all the love in his heart that we're going to do one next summer. Um, And therefore we will be consolidating bids for he, he and she who want to have Chef Migliori cook for them. We will do one next summer, and it's going to be in our auction. So if you want to bid on that, you must be there on the right. 22nd of August or send a proxy. August 22nd. That's the barbecue. Uh, I, I'm happy to do another whiskey tasting if we want to, if we want to throw that in there. That would be that would be tremendous. I know we had some some extra interest in that last year. We'll, we'll talk we can talk about that production meeting outside the show before the 22nd. We'll definitely we should have a rundown of all the items or as many yes. as we want to, so people can bid by proxy. That was a great setup last year. Super successful. Yeah, I will say that the proxy bidders were well represented, um, and so while they didn't win everything, if they weren't there, they were actually there and um, tremendously successful. And um, so we'll, I'd love to do that as a separate, you know, sort of standalone. Because yes, the best thing is for people to just attend, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that. In a yeah, the proxy is a great. You know, if you're in California, not going to be able to make it on the 22nd. The, the, that's a great thing to do. And and if you are interested in bidding by proxy, we're going to get into all those details. I guess next week. But yeah. uh, you're the person to contact for that, I assume, Kim. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I will. I will make that happen. But let me make sure that in the spirit of a make packing it all in on this um, Tuesday morning is that. 
other heroes for the herd have been strong and they would include Kendrick Carmouche and his amazing family that cooked yes. us buckets and bushels. And what do they call those things? Cauldrons full of gumbo for our herd <laughs> had a beautiful night. Um, that I think that maybe it might've been last week. I'm, I'm a little unsure when it was, but it was recently and it was awesome. And um, can't thank Kendrick enough. Cause he just does that again with his whole heart. And then the same week. Yeah, it was, a, it was quite a week last week. That's why I can't remember. Cause Monday we had Kendrick. Um, and then Wednesday, more amazing individuals, the Adele, Delphi Hotel hosted this awesome event, third year for the for Jocks and Horses event. And that benefits not only the retired racehorses, but also the jockeys supported by the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. So that event was Wednesday. The Adelphi makes it possible, their team, their space, their food, their staff, and then Casamigos with amazingly Einsiedler donating the tequila bottles. And the jockeys signing all those hundred bottles, they all came together and we had so much fun and really raised a lot of awareness, raised a lot of money. And all of it is because people have said, we care about what you do and we want to help. And I cannot say thank you enough with every pore of my body. So that's what's been happening up till today. (laughs) And I'll I'll tell you, I, you know, I missed, I missed the Cosmigos event this year. I think, I think Perrin would have a blast at that, getting to see all the riders and do that. I, we're going to make that, we're going to make that high priority, uh, Oh, next good. year, assuming it happens again. Cause it I, I, will. Oh, it was beautiful. And I'd love to have Perrin there. The jockeys totally came out in, in droves and were, were awesome. And I just can't say enough about how grateful I am. Anita Motion is the brain, the, the mastermind of that whole thing. And it is such a joy to work with her and everyone that comes together for that. And, you know, and so it just has been amazing. We, we have not missed a trick. Every Sunday we've been having our booth at the TRF uh, or at the Saratoga racetrack. So much like what you did in Del Mar, Pete, which was great. We've, we've done all the racetracks. We've we're been knocking them out of the park with all these TRF days at the racetrack, but we've been doing one every single Sunday here. And so great volunteers have been there. You can always go find them. If you come to the track, we're over by the pony and the playground and the taste of New York pavilion. If you're on track, yes. please go see my team on Sundays. They are great. And then this week, this weekend, we also have the community booth on Saturday. So we're like all weekend long. It is TRF. <laughs> and so we're, we're running and gunning and having a lot of fun. Let's give the details on how people can buy tickets for the barbecue. I feel like yes. that is, and, and is it a little bit bigger of a group this year or is this going to sell out, have to act now kind of thing? Well, it, it, we are going to sell out. I'm 100% sure since we sold out every year for five years. Um, but yeah. I think we're going to get bigger this year and then sell out. So we're aiming for, um, we've moved up our, our minute, our, you know, our cap has been moved a little bit um, and I'm grateful for that, but I know that it'll still happen because we just are so committed to everyone having a great experience and we want to make sure there's enough food. That is yeah. the only reason we sell out for those who listen and those who get frustrated with us selling out. It's really to protect the customer experience. That's the only reason. But so buy now because a I have time between now, it's two weeks from today that the barbecue will happen. And so I basically have one week until I have to set that number. So if you guys all buy right now when you hear this, I can move that number up as high as I need to. Um, And the website is super easy. It's trfinc.org. And our newly designed website means that on any page you go to, you just scroll to the bottom and you'll see the events. You can click on the barbecue link. We've sold about 250 tickets so far. and we are we are aiming for a big a big number for fifty to five hundred this year. So just join us, and um, it is going to be ton. We also have a big tent. So any folks who were there last year, like you, Pete, and you know that we had the apocalyptic weather that Saratoga huh. is known known for, um, we're good because we've got a tent this year. <laughs> That's great. We made it work last year. It did. Um, it did. With the but... exception of trying to read raffle tickets in the twilight, that was my biggest mistake. But yeah. We're... 
but we'll, we'll leave that to younger eyes this time around. Yeah. Um, well, we have some special, um, hope just in the spirit of talking about the barbecue and not overplaying it. We'll talk in detail about those items, but sponsors are really, really important to that event. That is really how we make the, the, the pure profit on the event comes from sponsors who have already committed. And it is an amazing lineup of sponsors, including one of your very dear uh, founding partners of the, in the money media network, which is our friends at 10 strike racing who were in there as a gold sponsor this year. Thankful to Marshall and clay and the team for that along with five college movers we love our friends at patrick um, mcwilliam and then um, new york breads our friends at um, the new york breads have come in as a, um, a gold sponsor as well so lots of good folks and then when you check check to buy your tickets please just take that minute just like pete asks you with the show take a minute to look at all the folks who've stepped up as silver sponsors and bronze sponsors because they are really making a direct impact on our herd and we're grateful that's great last thing i want to get to on this visit I, there's no easy way to say this. We've, I feel like our audience, we've been a little light this year compared to past years in terms of our generosity and giving through trfinc.org slash players. And I swear it's my own fault for training the audience yes. that, that they get stuff when they, when they don't. <laughs> I, I, just, I found something interesting in my garage that I kind of need to, to get rid of. Now, it's not <laughs> as sexy as what we've done in the past when we've had the bottles with the in the money label on them, but I did find like six unlabeled bottles of the in the money rye. And I oh. will be happy to let to try to jumpstart some donations here. First of all, people just want to, you know, donate uh, on, on, you know, any, every it's, it's a classic, every amount helps thing. Yes, and we yes. appreciate that, especially if you have a nice hit based on something you hear, see hear or see on the network, but all these six bottles, I'd love to move them. So and, and hopefully people can be in Saratoga, pick them up by hand. If not, I'll, I'll get to the I'll get them to you one way or another. But yeah, for a two hundred dollar donation, go to trfinc.org slash players and just make sure when you make that two hundred donation, you note that you want the whiskey and I'll get that. I want to get our I want to get our numbers up here before the end of Saratoga, Kim. I well, I love that about you, um, Pete. Thank you. Well, I know you have trained your you have trained your listeners well in many ways. One of them is that they give to the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. That is the most important message, and we love to give them goodies in exchange. And I would say the one thing I'm going to throw out there in that production meeting on the call on the. <laughs> Todd, that you're so famous for, is that there is this bar in town called The Misfit, and I want to have a party there with you, sort of by hook or by crook by the time this meet is over. And I think everybody who donates to the um, In The Money, so trfinc.org slash players, will be invited to that party date to be announced Love it. by the end of the meet and we will make that happen so any amount and you just if you donate in the next you know donate today or anytime between now and the barbecue we will figure it out by the barbecue and um you'll come to that I party that. and i think that's Maybe what a we traverse do. week kickoff i mean i'm just brainstorming here but yes we'll, yes yeah. let's okay. uh let's, let's you and i happen. talk about that real real seriously yes. i'm here i am gonna go for king's plate but i'm back uh obviously for the barbecue and then we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe for that next week, that might make sense. All yeah. right, we'll, we'll figure it all out, but that's a great idea. Anything else before we uh, get out of here for this segment, Kim? No, I just want to say thank you to every single person who has given, who has cared, and who has told the story to someone else, as that is what is moving the needle for the TRF as we go into our fifth decade. It's very exciting, and we're grateful to you, my friend, Pete, and everyone who's come along following your lead. So thank you, thank you. And I can't wait to see you tonight here at the Sales Pavilion. Thank you, Kim. See you soon. Thursday is another edition of Horseplayer Happy Hour. We want you to join us. 20 bucks to play. The house cut goes to charity. Three ways to win a Breeders' Cup betting challenge seat 
and 20000 added to the prize pool on this tour. It's an amazing opportunity. We also have fun on a live stream from 4 to 5. That reminds me, got to figure out who my guest is going to be this week. But the place to sign up and play is horseplayers.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'd like to thank all of today's guests, our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing, and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation in particular. That URL, once again, trfinc.org slash players. Make a donation. Come to our cocktail party and uh, get yourself some whiskey. Why not? Most of all, though, want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos. Live racing continues this summer at Mont... <coughs> 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 <coughs>